Welcome to this week's edition of Record Roundtable, where we listen to a band, all their music, some of their music, <laughs> then we talk about it. This week we're talking about Arcade Fire. This is Caleb Robinson speaking. I'm here with... I'm Dax. Oh, God. That was abrasive, but all right. Jared. I'm Tyler. Here we go. <laughs> Jeez. And this week we are talking about Arcade Fire, like I said. And how did we feel about listening to Arcade Fire? It was a little bit of a shorter week. I had feelings. Good. That's a good start. I like uh, Neon Bible is a good record. Okay. And uh, what's that other red? Hold on. It's good that you remember the name. And of the, the suburbs is a good record. That's a good. I you like start. My, you didn't the like suburbs. the funeral. No, you didn't like the funeral. No. Wow. Okay. Well, it just called funeral. I guess not the. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Funeral. I think the funeral is a band of horses song. I believe you it are is. correct. That is. Yeah. Yep. Funeral. It has been stuck in my head all week. Dax, this is an okay band with okay music. That has very good connections, and I hate them. Oh. Yeah, he he has some very strong oh. feelings this week, and I'm I'm interested to to open up this this can of worms early on. You want me to just jump into it? I think so. I think let's go ahead and get to it, and then we'll we'll start talking about things album album and see how things go from there. All right, their first album really good. I'm into their first album. Second album was okay. Suburbs is good also, but they're not as good as people say they are. They just have really good connections. The only reason they're popular is because they know people who can make them popular. Yeah, S- like David Byrne. There we go. David Byrne, David Bowie, Bono, a bunch of random comedians for some reason. Mm-hmm. Debbie Harry is also on that list. Yeah. Jonathan Ross. Yeah. But my okay, so my counterpoint to this still is is that they existed as a band on funeral. They funeral. also said we exist. What? They cl- they say oh, we wow. exist. Hmm. That's there's a song I'm called impressed. We Exist, and you said they exist in, and it oh, made yeah. me think about they, them saying yes, we exist. That's true. We, so they existed as a band on funeral prior to having all of these connections, and so you could argue that maybe their connections that they had like through celebrities and what have you may have helped them on albums like neon Bible or suburbs or reflector suburbs in particular, probably suburbs in particular, but funeral, you can't really say that that album was influenced by any kind of connections. And I, I, I would, I have a hard time like, except this sounds a little bit like, uh, uh, an easy answer. I have a hard time saying that their music isn't good. No, their music is just fine. Can you? But it's not exceptional. But can you? But is it good? Yeah, I mean, if it was like playing in the background in an Apple story, it would be fine. <laughs> there are there are two worlds: good and not good. <laughs> yeah, that's as far as we can get it. as on this podcast. <laughs> as far as we can get is. Good. Are they a good band not or good. are they a bad band? That's the right. wrong. Mm, not that's not this show. That's not this show. We're connect. Oh, that's really? our sister podcast. I what, think totally unrelated likes, in some way, shape, or form. I think everybody likes Arcade Fire because their front man is the bassist. That you think that's mm. it? That does yeah, all the band I mean, better. Rush. Mm, yes. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, and everybody loves Rush. Exactly. 
and and Raymond, do you prefer uh, the Arcade Fire or or Arcade Fire as as they are known? Yeah. Do you Arcade prefer Fire. Arcade Fire as a chamber pop group, an indie rock group, or a electronic rock group? That depends on which album you're talking about. It's true. That's, that entirely depends on which album you're talking about. They did not. Okay. That's all the album. <laughs> like, mm, like Reflector is. Yeah, Reflector. It didn't Reflector, start until the Reflector was that. That was when they started to incorporate a lot of more of their electronic elements. Well, uh, what I'm, I guess, what I'm asking, I guess, in the way that you flipped the question is, um, which like of the albums do you like the best? Which that wasn't really the question. I guess I was asking more like what version of the group do you like? Oh, I see. I thought you That's were asking my what are they? No, 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 no. I'm asking what version of do you prefer the chamber pop of you know like the you know of the first record? Do you mm-hmm. prefer the indie rock of Neon Bible or do you prefer the electronic stuff that you know LCD sound system mm-hmm. inspired? Well, not just inspired, but produced. Mm-hmm version of them uh you actually skipped my preference which was the suburbs surprisingly that my i think my suburbs was probably my favorite album i think that i which still i mean i think that neon bible and suburbs have draw a lot of parallels but i think that suburbs is a little bit bigger of an album which is saying a lot well, i mean there i guess that one is an indie rock album as well yeah you know suburbs and neon bible are both i don't know how you can say that funeral is chamber pop and not indie rock, but say that Neon Bible is indie rock and not chamber pop. I'm saying that it's more. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying it's more. Well, yeah, I, the funeral flopped in my mind. Funeral definitely I, to me. How I did. Oh, okay. Go ahead. In my mind, they're flipped. That's a flip flop. Hmm. Funeral to me felt more indie rock, and Neon Bible felt more of your your so-called chamber pop or baroque pop or whatever you want to phrase it well i didn't think that there were really very many upbeat songs on funeral it was a very somber record which is fair because like the reason they called it funeral is because several of death well it's several of the members family members died like around the time of recording Mm -hmm. so i mean that's so that's why they called it funeral because a bunch of them were going to funerals at the time. Right. So it's it's it makes sense that there aren't you know upbeat songs, but even their upbeat songs are usually like sad. Right. Well, the interesting thing though is is that if you just reflected on the sound of the music in terms of funeral, I think that you would get a very very like upbeat vibe in a couple of places. Some of the songs obviously are a lot more somber, but there are a lot of songs on here that have kind of like a. a more indie rock but like a kind of like poppy indie rock sound where they're like kind of trying to be a little bit like upbeat about the sound to contrast with the lyrics that they're putting out on that record in my opinion Mm -hmm. so but i do i do agree that they there are a lot of very somber moments across that album and then so i could see why neon bible and tyler's head and I, I'm not sure which one I agree with now that yeah, I've heard both of your sides, is more of a chamber pop album because that one has a little bit more of a celebration album and is a little bit more upbeat and bright than I think Funeral was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm not sure that I love the transition into that like electro pop uh, LCD sound system kind of sound that they had on Reflector. No. I think it was a big shift for them, and I think that it was a unique and interesting shift. 
but I don't know that I it's the sound that they perfected, I guess. Like I don't know that that was something that they they knew exactly how to use perfectly. So I liked yeah. the album, but I think that there were flaws across Reflector and everything now that reflected from the fact that they were doing kind of a type of music that was not necessarily their wheelhouse. Yeah, I mean labels between those two as well. Mm-hmm. But like a group that is known to have like a lot of members that play a lot of different, you know, like violin, cello, hurdy gurdy, uh, hurdy gurdy, um, all of the. I mean, like lots of instrumentation similar to like the polyphonic spree or what have you. Uh huh. Um, and then that group that performs like that starts making electronic rock music. Mm-hmm. I don't. But really they f- still perform that. They still perform. I saw them last year. They still perform that way. They perform like with like a large band. Yeah, form. yeah, it's huge. They still perform with a lot of people. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, the thing is, is that, and I think that this is a, a theme that I I felt across their albums is that they have this really unique ability to create these like very swooping big songs, in that they start kind of like small and they build into something really really massive mm-hmm. where they what a lot of the instrumentation that they're able to utilize because there are so many different members of the band and they have so many different instruments that they're using across the band they are able to take their sound they can build something really really massive out of their music and what happened was was that that was a sound that really worked on funeral neon bible and suburbs in my opinion and then what happened was they still had all those elements and then they just added a whole bunch more to it on reflector that then made it very difficult for like it it was just almost too much going on in a couple of points from my opinion as as the overall sound got more mainstream the idea that you draw these songs out into like a building thing got really boring i would agree yes the songs are way longer too which I yeah, they're not. just they're just boring mm-hmm. on the other albums. They do have a hidden track though on Reflector. The last song has a hidden track for oh. for Mr. Tyler. If only we could Man. talk about this. We've never... we got 11, 11 minutes and seventeen seconds on this track, and then we've got. Does it actually have the dead silence? No, it's only for a couple seconds. That's right. Uh, it's very little, it, but it's considered a hidden track, even though it's not really that hidden. Yeah, I did. that's what I thought. I thought I was remembering was that there was not very much silence at all, but I, I couldn't remember for sure. So, you know, a a perfect example of what you were just talking about with the build up mm. is my favorite song. Mm. Keep the car running. All right, I, I love it. I, Good the, transition. Let me hold on. Let me tell a little, tell a little tune tale of of this song. We weave a little story for us. I'll weave it. Um, the, f- not the, f- the first time, probably the first time actually, um, I was, I was getting in, I have a playlist of like, um, live performances on like late night television shows, um, like SNL and David Letterman and, you know, when, when the Orwells destroyed their guitar and all their instruments on Letterman uh-huh. and, uh, Future Islands seasons on Letterman, one Great. of my favorites. But Arcade Fire did keep the car running on the Jonathan Ross show, and they just like went apeshit, and they just destroyed things on this, you know, on the stage, and it's just beautiful. It's it's like one yeah. of my favorite things. I remember that, yeah. So that's kind of what set me off to loving this song is just like them going all out on a late night show for no reason. All right, here's a little bit of keep the car running. It's 
So what you were saying is, is that you wanted the end of the song. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I thought that... I don't know. I thought that I it had a bigger, a future mis- build than what happened. I think you misremembered that song a little bit, which is okay. Well, I mean... That was also my favorite song off of Neon Bible, by ooh. the way. I also love the song Windowsill. Windowsill is also a very that good song. That is a very good song. And it also it reminded me of the Johnny Cash song, The Wanderer, if you want to play a bit of that. Listen to <laughs> you you know that song? to play The Wanderer from Johnny Cash? Yeah, see if, you, see if you agree. It's my own version of that sounds familiar, but not really. It's more of like the way that... I don't oh, know. that kind of reminds me of something. Oh, you'll get That's into right. it. You'll get into it. Is this is this actually a U two song with the, with Johnny Cash in it? <clears throat> yes. Okay. That's I was making sure that I was on the right. Sorry. You tried to trick us into thinking a Johnny Cash song was a Johnny Cash song, and it was a U two song. Well, it was Jared. on his greatest hits. I didn't How realize dare you sneak a U two song. I didn't realize podcast. that it was. I thought it was uh, U two featuring Johnny Cash, but in turn, it's Johnny Cash. Or no, U2 I featuring flipped Johnny it. Cash. That's like the music nerd's Cash. version of Rick rolling someone, Jared. Oh. <laughs> I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play some of this song, and we'll, and then we'll play a little bit of Windowsill. So. Yeah. Okay. Sons turn their fathers in. I stopped outside a church house. All right, now we're going to play a little bit of windowsill. Dax, you're our resident. That sounds familiar. What do you think? I, it kind of sort of reminds me of a thing. That's that's the catchphrase for that one because it doesn't wow. sound familiar. But oh, you don't think so? Not quite. Okay. Well, I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't saying that it sounded like they he ripped that like he was being ripped sound. off. He was, no, that's what he was reminded of. Jared was reminded of that. Yes, that, that sounds like remembering. Uh, you know what I that inspired me to think of is the your section. just the way that he's like telling the story the same way that Johnny Cash told it. I don't know if he's okay. ever even heard the song. Most likely he has because I. How would you not if you are in Arcade Fire have ever listened to Johnny Cash? Sure, or you too for the. I mean, I'm sure that they they are influenced, but well, you two has a similar sound in that they like they take something kind of small and then build it up mm-hmm. over time kind that of thing. True. So I could definitely see Arcade Fire being influenced by U2 in a lot of ways. U2 I'm, and Arcade Fire do some things with each other, don't they? Uh, I mean, we watched that video earlier today where Bono was in the video. I know Bono is like their friend. Mm. Is he? It might be why I hate them so much. Uh, that's it. We've, we've Have you ever talked it. about your hatred wow. for U2 on this show? I will get there one day. Get there Let me one tell day. you this. Do, do you hate arcade fire when you think about how similar their first album is to interpol i don't i don't hate arcade fire's music i just hate everything around the music yeah i think that you're letting i think you're letting the culture affect your your feelings on the music which is very odd considering you were able to talk about michael jackson Mm. how does that 
you're more influenced by Arcade Fire being kind of douchebags, I guess, in your mind than Michael no, Jackson. kind of weird. They don't deserve it, is what I think. They just don't. Oh, they haven't built it. Their music doesn't reflect the level of acclaim that they have. I, yes. I think they've built it. I disagree about that. I think they have built it. But I do think that maybe I can see where you would think that they've got things maybe handed to them based on friendships they've made. Yeah. Perhaps. Like, who the hell is sure? Arcade Fire? Transition. Are you no, sure you're not, not playing about... that dumb song? Why? It's a dumb song. Just play it. No. I just transitioned it. Play it. I don't transition me into dumb things. Anyway. I'm not going to let it go. Okay. Well, then I guess we're going to spend the next 24 hours listening to you talk about how we're not going to play. Is a... it good? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It's called Who the Hell is Arcade Fire? He sent it earlier to the, the group. I saw it, but I didn't get to listen I to it. I didn't get to listen to it either. I was it's trying pretty... to finish listening. Well, then we, we won't know how good it is if we don't do it. Are we playing this? Oh, boy. Yeah, we are. <laughs> he did a little bit of research at least. Who the hell is Arcade Fire? Why do they win a Grammy? Who the hell is Arcade Fire? Why do they win a Grammy? Cool. It sums up everything. Cause who the hell are they? Why did they win? They shouldn't have won. So uh, Neon Bible was released within a month of the Shins wincing the night away and Modest Mouse's We Were Dead Before the Ship Even Sank. And Neon Bible was cited as an example of the popularization of indie rock at that time. Yeah, well, that makes sense. It does make even sense. Though, even though the Modest Mouse album is also a good example of that. It is. Well, it's like a cultivation of... Like, okay, so these indie rock bands are releasing these albums and then they are getting, you know, radio play and selling a lot of records and becoming, you know, like, the Arcade Fire does not have a song, like, float on. Like, none of the, they never really had a hit. Because I, w- I was kind of expecting listening to, because I hadn't listened to Funeral in, like, a really long time, if ever, and I hadn't right. listened to Neon Bible in a long time. And the first record that I actually really got into of theirs is The Suburbs. Yeah, but listening to those three records, they none of them were like, oh yeah, I rec-, you know, like funeral. I didn't really recognize any songs. What about the ne- suburbs? Isn't that yeah? A, you didn't recognize Ready to Start. I recognize. I like that album though. That's my point. Yeah, but but Ready to Start, like I had never listened to the the suburbs. I've never listened to the album, and I know that song. I've heard it all over the place. <sighs> but it's not float on. No, I'm on Jared's side. Well, I don't no. think I don't think that any of their that, but well, I don't think that the structure of hit. I don't think the structure of their songs were ever really meant to be no. like major hits or like no, no. but neither of Modest Mouse's, and somehow that happened. I guess that's, that's true. true. Well, like, I don't know. Float like, on and Dashboard were both very kind of like very like radio friendly structured songs in a lot of ways, and I think that Arcade Fire's music does not really have that same kind of. I think the feel to it. Keep the car running is a really good rock hit. And month of May, like month of May, could have been a a rock hit. Sure, that's a great song. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, like like with the Shins, Phantom Limb is that like their number that one of their popular songs? That's definitely one of their biggest tracks, if not their biggest track. Is it really? 
I, I think so. Phantom Limb was one of their really big songs back mm-hmm. in 2007. It had a video, and it was on MTV. And Australia was, was very popular I, as well. Uh, Simple and then, Song is where I'm thinking. Yeah, Simple, Simple Song. Good. Uh, it's Only Life is a good... Like, that album had a lot of stuff. Everyone loved Port of Morrow. They're all over the place with it. Oh, it's great. Right, but what I, uh, I think that what Jared is specifically talking about is, like, that kind of 2007 timeline where, like, indie rock kind of blew up. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. like, Wednesday the Night Away is... Or, well, I'm sorry. Port of Morrow was kind of already built on the shoulders of Wincing the Night Away, where tracks like Australia and really, I th- I think Phantom Limb is the one that stands out to me that actually got really, really popular. And without it's, having a song, it's the like only Phantom song they Limb, have that's ever charted. It yeah. only got to number 86, so it's not float on because it's not no. a top 40 hit. No. Yeah. But, well, actually, was float on top 40 hit? I don't remember now. I do not know. I, I think, think that we it talked wasn't. about it, but I think it wasn't. I'm pretty sure it's not. But it's still like, I mean, it's played still today at, you know, everywhere right. radio but baseball games such like you know things like that but my point is that the arc that arcade fire never had a hit and yet they have you know been nominated and won grammys yeah and are really kind deserve. of yeah but that's okay what does that have to do the hit the hit doesn't mean anything though the hit doesn't mean anything i mean when you're not when you're an, an artist whose albums are more of a piece than the songs are a piece mm-hmm and it doesn't matter. Then that's that's an irrelevant thing to even consider in their in their success as an artist. And I do think too that indie indie rock inherently is not necessarily built to be a a hit maker. You know, no. like the fact that it became popular in any way, shape, or form through acts like Modest Mouse and really, I would argue Arcade Fire is probably the biggest indie rock group, probably. Mm. I mean, I, I think I, the Strokes. You think the Strokes, yeah, the strokes are the biggest? The indie Strokes, rock I think, group? are like mm. the epitome of what indie rock is. At least yeah. they were. They're kind of dead now. But what right. what the Strokes did with um, "Is This It" and is that right? Is this other yeah. Yes. yeah, And uh, what was the second album? Their um, second Room album, not fire. the second one. Room but on the, Fire. Yeah. Room on Fire. And then what was the other one that had Razorblade? Uh, the one with Razorblade was... First Impressions first, of Earth. That you. one is... I, like, those three are, like, boom, boom, boom. Like, yeah. commercial success, critical success. But they're not, they're, they're not as, like, strict indie rock as we're talking here. Like, those yeah, are... they're a little bit all more those albums are riddled rock. with pop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, and Arcade tradi- Fire and is traditional a rock traditional rock as well. Sound. Yeah. And indie, Arcade Fire is a very traditional indie rock sound. Again, with all this, like... Oh, yeah. Big swooping like mm-hmm. chorus sounds and like instrument like weird instrumentation and they're definitely the best example of aughts indie rock music probably. I would have to say that because yeah. when you look at the golden age of indie in the mid nineties, that did not sound like what we're what we are thinking of as indie. Yeah, it's a good point. Arcade Fire, but in the aughts. This is the way. This is what indie was in that time period, right? And yeah. it was when that they started to kind of incorporate more of those pop elements into their sound to a certain degree. Yeah. So as we're talking about like hits, I will actually say that one of their bigger hits is my favorite song, and I didn't realize that this I, like I didn't expect this to be my favorite song, but my favorite song ended up being the suburbs from, and I think that's part of the reason why it was my favorite album was because I really really like this song. So I'm gonna play this one.
darn good track. And it like it, it's it's surprising to me that like because I, I I know that this is one of their bigger hits, but I wasn't as familiar with this song until um we started listening for this week. Like I've I've listened to Arcade Fire. I'm aware of Arcade Fire, but I had never really dug into Arcade Fire in the same way that I did. This I like I listened so. to in when 2000 or when the Suburbs came out in 2010. I listened to that album and then I picked out you know like. I didn't like the entire album, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't go back to it, but I did pick out certain songs from it that I enjoyed, uh, specifically Month of May, because it's like a really good like rock song. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, did, I remember that I liked The Suburbs, and then I recognized more of the songs on The Suburbs than any of, of the other albums that we listened to. Was Suburbs your favorite album as well, or did you put, would you put Neon Bible over I it? Think that it I think like you didn't love Funeral as much. You didn't, didn't love, love you didn't much. love the reflector everything now sound. N- no, so not it's very kind much. of between. I Neon think Neon Bible Suburbs. maybe because I like two of the songs the best from that with mm-hmm. um, "Keep the Car Running" and "Windowsill." Yeah, you know, I think that I would say that that was my fa- favorite record. That makes sense. Tex, where do you stand on this one? Funeral is my favorite album. You're you're big on Funeral. That's interesting. Yeah, so so okay, here we go. Dax is your favorite album, Reflector Everything Now. I'm going to say it's Reflector. Are you just saying that just because you want to say it? Yeah. Okay. What's your favorite album? <laughs> Suburbs. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> I just didn't know if we all had different favorite albums, which would have been interesting because that would have reflected that we all had like different. Yeah. How it would, would have reflected. There's uh, like, no way that it would have been his favorite because he just complained about how they only made that record because they had like ends with like friends from the music industry. Well, so. he said that about uh, Suburbs too. That's not why they made it. It's no, not why, it's why they made it, but why it's... But you wouldn't... Because of its commercial success and whatever, you, why would you like it if you just complained about it? That's my point. I think they skipped the commercial success part, kind of. They only got commercial success because people thought they were already successful. Mm, I don't know. Interesting. Somehow they got switched onto Columbia after Reflector. So, And that's where everything now is released. Also, I'd li- th- I'm not going to do it. I'll, I won't. I won't. I won't do it. Okay. But we talked about Modest Mouse, and I did not play the horn intro. Good job, proud of you. You're not gonna play it, or you are. I, I said I'm not going to because I feel like the moment passed on this one. But I'd like to talk about the fact that I'd like to talk about because the first four albums were released on Merge Records, which is the record label that was created and owned by Superchunk. Anyone who doesn't know, Superchunk is one of the Golden era of indies, largest groups still playing and such. But I think that, I don't know, I'm not convinced, Dax, that a lot of this exterior influence is the only thing that is like what really pushed them. Because that label is full of like, you know, it's it's owned and operated by true indie people and it's filled with true indie artists. And they grabbed them and wanted them to have three albums of really good indie music on there. I'm also not convinced because when it comes down to it, Arcade Fire has such a traditional, again, in my mind, indie rock sound and really in a lot of ways influence what that like kind of 2000 aughts like indie rock sound is. And I just don't, I don't know that like it all sounds like it's just off of influence. It sounds to me like it's off of the fact that they make like very very like well-crafted music because again it, we're talking about a group of what seven 
members. Is that right? Seven. That sounds accurate. I think it's seven. So you have seven members where they're all playing like a large scale number of instruments, and they're making these really big indie rock sounds. And it's weird to me that like so like especially off of funeral like that you're taking funeral and you're saying that somehow it was like not something that was a pretty massive success in terms of an album. That's not that's not what I'm saying though. There's six what members you, currently. Six members currently. What I I'm trying to say really is it became cool to like them because important people liked them. That's fair. So a lot of people just say they like them and that made them more popular than they really are and it's all a show kind of. But that doesn't reflect your taste in the music at all. Reflector. No, I think I, I, I still like their music. They're fine. I just don't think. I don't know. I don't know about it. They're Canadian. I, they are Canadian. That's the <laughs> problem. Canadian. Canadian. That was a good transition. <laughs> let me let me throw out a fact. They're and a, see if it sticks. They're a real family band. That's what it's nice about them. They got two brothers, and they got one of the brothers' wives. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. How about She's that? from Haiti. They have a song called Haiti. Yeah, they go to Haiti a lot. Oh my gosh. They're, the Reflector album uh, is based kind of around Haiti. There's a, a movie that they kind of based it around. Actually, uh, hold on, uh, give me a second. Who is from Haiti? Uh, the wife. No, of, she's from Montreal. Uh, she, I think she's originally from Haiti, right? No, like she originally. Was born she was born in Montreal. Oh, hold on now. Her parents were Haitian immigrants. Oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. So everybody's correct. So her family's from Haiti, but she was born in yeah. Montreal. Okay. Yeah, get it right, Dax. I'm sorry. Stop trying to discredit Canada. Rude. Did anybody listen to everything now? I've heard it already. I heard them last year, and they played a lot of songs. So I felt like I had already heard it. So the uh, Reflector was influenced by Haitian Rara music and the 1959 film Black Orpheus. Mm. Mm. Which is a Haitian film, I believe. Or maybe it's French or something. That's neat. Those symbols that Mm. are all over uh, around the promotion of that album, they are based around uh, Haitian voodoo. Yeah, I did read about that, yeah. The symbols for everything now? The film I'm talking about was Brazilian. Or Reflector. I thought it was Reflector. It might be everything now. I was unaware of Reflector symbols. We should go and dive into it for a moment. One of them has like a circle with like a bunch of squares in the middle with like letters or symbols or something. And I believe that's what's based uh, out of Haitian voodoo. There's a penis it. on the yeah, front as well. Just, right. That's like the mid- I see that symbol. The That was the seventh one I was talking about when you said they have currently six yeah. members. They were also talking about that member. Yes. The voodoo member. It looks like they use symbols for that album. For each song had symbols on that album as well, just like they did on everything now. So I see what you're saying. Oh, that's interesting. So yeah. with everything now, I did not like that album. We did not have to listen to it, nor did I. No. But I will say about everything now, when they performed uh, Put Your Money on Me mm-hmm. on SNL, mm-hmm. I very much like that performance, and I very much like that song. That song... Put Your Money on Me is my favorite song off of everything. They have a radio yeah, edit. A um, it is in my favorites uh, Spotify playlist. I listen to that quite often. Let's, so. let's play some Put Your Money on Me. Really? Why well, not? We hardly ever let's play any music, and we're going to play something from now. Let's do it. I'm all about it. Let's right, do it. Let's go. Must be crazy, oh, you're 
So I think that like when you listen to stuff off of like everything now, put your money on me is a bad example, but a lot of the other parts of that album are where you kind of get like, it's that where that issue was is that they started to transition into this weird like alternative rock dance group. Yeah. And you got a little bit of that off of uh, Reflector. And I think mm-hmm. Reflector had the good elements of that where everything now had the bad elements of that. That was an album where I felt as though they were trying way, way, way too hard to be like uh, uh, an appealing act. They were like really trying to make kind of like radio hits at that point. Yeah. And that was why that album was not received well at all. That song on the record is almost six minutes long. Yes, it is. The radio edit is much shorter and much better because it's more concise. Yeah. So if you're going to make an album like that and a song like that, that you want, like, uh, you know, if you're going to make a dance record, dance rock record, like what everything now is, and you want, you know, those songs to be on the radio or whatever. Why would you make the song so long? You I'm going to have to disagree with you all and, and give a reason for why I think they've done it. Okay. I if, When you listen to, for instance, the title track, right, not, which is not the opener, it's track two, okay. there's, a clear, there's clear elements of mid-century pop music in that. So clear. The piano part right there at the beginning of the song is mid-century pop, even, even slightly disco. Mm-hmm. And I and I think what they've done with this album, with the length and everything, and this comes from seeing them, is they've created an album that they can form most of the songs live on and create an entire experience in concert via this album. Mm. What they do when they like last year when I saw I saw them at Forecast last year, so I saw them. I didn't just go see them; I saw them at the festival. But when they played, it was it was ridiculous. It was huge. They had giant a giant screen that was like angled and came to a point in the center of the stage and went all the way across to each side of the stage up above them. And upon there, they projected all the different symbols and these various video, uh, like collective collectives that they created for each individual song. So it's almost like its own music video up there when they're performing it. Mm-hmm. And that's that song, put your money on me. And they have this whole video thing that goes back and forth about all kinds of like stuff while they perform that. And it all flows in, in and of itself. Hmm. Hmm. That's so seeing them live, the perspective I have from it is like, this album is an album that's intended to like be really, really visually and audibly I don't know, explosive in a live setting. Mm-hmm. I find it interesting when a, a group makes an album with the intent of how we're going to perform it live as a show. That's it's very interesting. Yeah. I feel like the Flaming Lips do that a lot. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Flaming Lips are a good example of someone who does that. And I think it's one of those things where like the group kind of recognized that they're just as much of an experience as they are a, an artist mm-hmm. in that yeah, they Floyd, Floyd did that really. Who? Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. Floyd from the Muppets. They get oh. often confused. They certainly do. Very, very. I mean, you too did that with their last album as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did this in the entire. I mean, even though we, some people in this thing hate you too and such, but mm. they like made it their album with the intent of how we're gonna perf- like do this as a live experience. Mm-hmm. And and then they went back and did that with the Joshua Tree tour as well. You know, so yeah, they did. That wasn't really what they did when they originally made the record, but then they went back and took pictures of 
you know, things that they're talking about on that album all like what 40 years later or whenever, whatever it was. Mm. So, yeah, that was a really powerful years. tour. I know a couple of different people that went and said it was pretty much amazing, even though they don't, you know, people who don't even care for you two said it was well worth going mm-hmm. for the experience of it. I don't, uh, I don't like everything now. I don't want you to think, I don't, I don't care if you think of whether I like it or not, I guess, but I don't like it, but mm-hmm. I will admit to you that last year when I saw them, I bought an everything now shirt mm-hmm. because it doesn't say everything now on it. It just has all the symbols because each song has its own symbol on that album mm-hmm. and it has all of these symbols on it for the different songs and stuff. And it says arcade fire, but, I'm hoping a not educated Arcade Fire person is the person that sees me in it so that they can just be like, oh, that's cool, because I thought all the symbols looked really cool. That's why I bought it. I was like, man, those look really neat. They look like, reminded me of, uh, they reminded me of Welcome to Night Vale. Like, you know, there's, there's oh, yeah. the, if you've ever seen any of the visuals for Welcome to Night Vale, yeah. it reminds me of that. Or I saw this movie called The Institute, which is a documentary about an alternative reality art, basically like live action citywide art exhibit in san francisco where mm-hmm. this guy just created this whole thing and he created all these symbols and different ideas so when you like look at infinite content for instance that song title and they put a symbol with it in the institute they have a thing known as divine nonchalance and it's got like a symbol and stuff so i don't know i felt i felt i think it was i think what they've done with that album outside of the music was is kind of cool and interesting I also will, and I will say this, and because I I don't want to say that I actually like I didn't hate this album by any means. It wasn't. It was my least favorite Arcade Fire album, but like I would argue that if any, I think a lot of it comes down to it's a comparison effect where you have these four albums that were massive successes from Arcade Fire. Every, everything leading up to everything now had been received really, really well by critics and by fans, and so when you had something that kind of deviated from that sound and did something different. And people didn't like it as much that people shifted so heavily because of a comparison effect. I think if this had been like a debut album, mm. then I like from some other act, people would have liked it a lot. But because it was Arcade Fire, I think a lot of people disliked it. Hmm. So yeah, that makes sense. I would say that I like the when you when you look at the titles of the tracks and you listen to them and like and you and you get the idea of what the album's about. I like the idea of the album. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got a whole, it's got a very, cons- like, anti- you know, critic. it's very critical of consumerism, critical of our current society and their, in our roles in consumerism and things of that nature. It's got some of those things weaved in. I don't know. I really, I like what they were trying to go for, but the music just didn't do it. Yeah. Tyler, I don't think we've, we've heard your favorite track yet, which I'm assuming comes off of Funeral. Did you say what your favorite track was yet? I did not. My favorite track is, it is off of Funeral. And I think it's the... First one, neighborhood number one. Oh, did did you like neighborhood number one the best? Yeah, I like neighborhood number one. That's what we opened with. It's a really, that's a really, really good opening track for sure. Mm-hmm. So, I was, I couldn't remember if we had played it, but we have in fact played it, so we don't have to play it a second time. So I'll ask Dasks. That sounds familiar. Oh, okay. I was gonna ask you what your favorite track was. I but know, but you... I switched it up. All right, you're having a great time tonight. Go ahead. <laughs> so. Everything now since we've been talking about. I don't know why you're making this whole show into a joke today, but okay. Go ahead. Well, my favorite track is Flashbulb. No, no, go ahead. Do your thing. Do your thing. You already (laughs) started. So since we've been talking about everything now, (laughs) uh, the title track, Everything Now, uh, sounds shockingly like a song by Francis Bebe. The song is called The Coffee Cola Song. So let's hear a little uh, Everything Now. 
the kookaburra song <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that let's hear francis babe there are people in town and crazy people in town eating bread and butter and honey and drinking black coffee cola doesn't it sound familiar? It's a sample that they yeah, recognize on the record. Yeah, that's yes, a sample. It is. If you look at Wikipedia, it says contains elements of, and then they cite that song. Yeah, it's a sample. I, people wouldn't know about it. I just wanted to talk about it. Okay. They well, can be samples on that. Sounds familiar. Okay. I'm just saying. Then talk the about idea, it. The idea of what you're doing originally was thievery. That's what we were originally talking about with That Sounds Familiar. It was people stealing other people's songs. Yeah, it's true. No, it wasn't. Well, that's when I when I started making the list, it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it hasn't You're really... You're not helping yourself, Dax. No, this was before the podcast, even. When I started making the list for all of this, this predates us recording. Mm. But uh, it has evolved into something that just it just sounds familiar. You okay. sampled it. All right. Like we talked about... Uh, well, I would rather. So here's what I'll say yeah. with with that is if if you are gonna do a thing like that, uh, like recognizing hey, that sounds familiar. I'd rather when it is not recognized to say that, and when it is recognized to say that. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah. like if they say we have acknowledged that we sampled this song, whereas like with the Taylor Swift right said Fred thing, she lost. You know, and she, she did they, not. She she acknowledged it. I thought that no. I thought that you said that they had to give royalties. Yeah, she paid them for Even letting. You, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, that's how it works when you sample things. Yeah, when you sample something, you you sign them on as a writer and you pay them. Mm-hmm. I'm not, assuming that's what happened with this not Kookaburra though. Oh yeah, I, I would imagine this person probably got paid, or probably the record label whoever them. owns it whoever I'm, owns the music i'm whoever imagining that uh francis babe maybe is yeah he died or she they died in 2001 uh-huh. so it has been quite a while before miss mr babe has been able to obtain any royalties yeah, yeah. it's a mister it is a mister mr yeah. mister mr mister good band What's your favorite song? My favorite song is Flashball Buys. Ooh, it's yeah. From Reflector. Yes, it is. That was a pretty good song. I also really like The Suburbs, but I like a cover of it, so I'm not going to pick that one. Might as well just do the cover. Who cares? Yeah. Here's an interesting part of your everything now. 
uh, Coffee Cola song, mm-hmm. the flute part that was played on Everything Now was played by Patrick Babe, Francis Babe's son. Oh. He played his dad's flute part. Oh. That's, That's cute. sweet. I like that. There you yeah, go, that everybody. feels good. Oh, I feel happy. I'm bringing yeah. stuff to the table, everybody. <laughs> I'm doing my best. <laughs> Tyler, you got some more stuff to say? No. I have another thing about Arcade Fire that uh, we could talk about, maybe, or something. I don't know. They performed the song Baby Mine on the soundtrack to the Dumbo new, the new Dumbo film. Yeah, they did. Directed by Tim Burton. It's. I don't think I like that version because it's a little... I don't know. It's... The movie or the song? The, the Arcade Fire, their version of Baby Mine. But the movie was okay. It wasn't great, but it was all right, mm. if you're asking me about Dumbo. Let's mm. give her a little taste. I don't hate that, actually. I think that it's a good song to listen to in the credits of that film, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that I would return to... I wouldn't hit play on that song again. No. Purposefully. But it is a good... like If you're sitting in the theater, the movie just ended, the credits are rolling, and that song started, which it did. And and the other thing about it was I knew that song was on the soundtrack prior to me seeing the film. Mm -hmm. So I think that if I would have been surprised, oh, who is this? Oh, it's Arcade Fire sitting in the theater. I think that maybe my opinion of it would be different. But I saw that the song came out and I listened to it on Spotify. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, eh. And then it played in the credits. And I liked it a little bit better in the credits. But yeah, I'm not sure I love the song. So they're not really like a mainstream act, so it's kind of odd that they played like a song on Dumbo, but they're kind of a mainstream act. It's where well, they are they, now. They tow a very well, odd line. They're friends with Tim Burton, apparently. They are friends with Tim. I don't Burton, think that's so. true. I don't they think probably power. is Illuminati or something. They're best. They're best pals. Um, but they're like, I guess their sound isn't super mainstream, and they're not. They're not. I, I, I've struggled to say it. I don't know that they're massively famous, but I think that they're probably one of the more famous indie groups. Like, I, mean, I they, don't think that, like, a typical listener, like, they might know who Arcade Fire is, but if I played them an Arcade Fire song, they'd have no clue who it people was. People that follow music know who know and like Arcade Fire, or at least know right. who they are. Right. But people that listen to the radio sh- most likely do not know Arcade Fire. They only know them because of... Um, you know, they were nominated for Grammys. Mm-hmm. They have had somewhat, you know, success with their albums, and then they've per- performed on SNL and stuff like that. You right. know, like, so if you're just a casual music listener, the chances of you liking or listening to Arcade Fire are pretty low. I agree with you about that. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they tow a very odd line of mainstream success, I guess. What were you going to uh, say, Tyler? I, I'm not sure. I, I, you know what? I would have agreed with you initially, but I'm, I'm not sure now. Okay. Because I've just read. That all of their, every single one of their studio albums 
have been nominated for best alternative music album for Grammys every year than they've come out. Really? Ooh. Yeah, they've never wow. won. They're like the Leo DiCaprio of the Grammys. <laughs> well, that is that's a fitting uh, that's a fitting comparison. But on top of that, I was, and this is on Wikipedia, but I then confirmed Wikipedia also states that Funeral is widely considered by music critics to be one of the greatest albums of the 2000s. And I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Well, according to Rolling Stone, top 100 albums of the 2000s, number six, Funeral. Yep. Pitchfork, best albums of the 2000s, which theirs is out of like 100, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Number two, Funeral. And Ranker, a much lesser well-known, it reached number three of the 2000s. Are they on the Rolling Stones' 500 best albums of all time, too? Do you know? Ooh, I don't. I, might I don't know. They're 151. Oh, they are. Number okay. 151 was... of the all-time best albums of all time by Rolling Stone. Was everything so now go. nominated for that? Yes. Really? Yes. That's crazy. every one. Every single album was nominated. So yeah, that's yeah. That, so it they are very critically successful. Yes. Like the critic, like music critics, uh, just absolutely gush over Arcade Fire. Which makes some sense, but like, because it sounds it sounds like music that critics would like when it comes down to it. But I don't know that critic success always translates into mainstream success, and vice versa. Well, not always, but I mean, I, I think that I think, especially with everything now, that you would be, it wouldn't be difficult to find people who know what it is. I feel like if you surveyed a group of people, you would find a decent amount of people that at least know Arcade Fire because of everything now. Mm-hmm. I mean that's a that thing is those songs are radio success songs. Mm-hmm. They are. Well, because they they became more of kind of a mainstream success over the last like, not even full decade. It's only been you know within right. the last couple years that Arcade Fire has become more of like a mainstream hit than what they were back in you know two thousand four when Funeral came the, out. The last three records all went to number one that came out, and then the Neon Bible went to number two. Okay, but that doesn't always reflect. Um, like success, like a brand new's last album went to number one, and I would mm. say a very small portion of people know who Brand New is. No, so it's not like that's a good indicator of people knowing who you are, right? It like sometimes there's not another album that comes out that week. Like honestly, that that is what it comes down to. The weekend didn't put out an album. Drake didn't put out an album. So the number one, it's going to be whatever random album came out. I I mean I would imagine that. Just to, to to go ahead and label where we're at, Anderson Pox's album probably is number one for this week because it's the biggest album that got released this week. Yeah. But if it had been released in a different week, probably wouldn't have been. Yeah. So yeah, I agree that that, that makes sense. So, um, any closing thoughts on Arcade Fire? I don't really have anything more. I've I've uh, exhausted my notes. I I didn't dislike this. I I liked listening to the suburbs again. Neon Bible is a good record, mm-hmm. but they're not. I don't love Arcade Fire. I I there are better uh, indie rock or chamber pop or whatever you want to consider them from each album to album. Mm-hmm. There's better. There's people that do better than what they do with each thing. That's sure. what I say. But I mean, in my opinion, yeah. I I have learned to appreciate them a little bit more this week. I like Arcade Fire. I didn't love everything that they did. I enjoyed I, I think I enjoyed everything from this week. 
overall. And so I'm glad that we did this week, but I could understand like somebody feeling that they're not the, the best indie rock group and not obviously not like the best group. Like I could see, I, I know that there are people, I mean, obviously there are people out there whose favorite band is arcade fire, but like I could see them being everybody's, you know, I could be, I could see them being somebody's favorite group as well. Yeah. Tyler or there, there are plenty of people out there where you can read online that talk about let's for instance the strokes mm-hmm. and we'll tell you that the strokes are a good band but the strokes are not a phenomenal band the strokes are not an influential band they're a band who are proficient in their instrumentation mm-hmm. who are good at writing rock songs and who are good at performing and creating albums that are good rock albums. Mm-hmm. I would I would easily equate Arcade Fire to the Strokes in that metric, and saying that Arcade Fire is a good indie rock band. Arcade Fire saw what you know the type of things that were being released in indie rock at the time. Mm-hmm. They they put their own little spin on it, and they they made good indie rock. I don't think it's anything that was mind blowing or crazy at the time or now. I don't think it is anything that that was you know, spectacularly influential in mm-hmm. terms of their influence with other people. But I think it's good quality music that, right. is, that is good and they're good at what they do. And especially in the early era, I don't think they're bad at what they do now just because, you know, their music, the quality of the music has somewhat decreased in my opinion. I still know that they're, they're good at it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you kind of, you, you didn't have a chance to speak to this too much, so we can get into it a little bit if you'd like, is that you mentioned groups like Interpol, and then we've obviously mentioned the strokes and then there are also other groups like broken social scene who were making kind of this indie rock music prior to funeral even coming out it's a different style of indie rock music from my perspective again i think that like especially on funeral which is why it's so like herald it's herald is such a huge massive success is because it incorporated so many more of them those symphonic elements but they are kind of resting on the laurels of indie rock music that existed you know, four, five, even ten years before them. Right. So, what's a good Arcade Fire song to close out on? What's a good Arcade Fire song? <laughs> All right, I'm going to close wow. out on the... Let's do... Month of May. I like Month of May. What about Month of May? Month of May. What were you going to do? I, I was I was going to say the last track of Funeral, because that album has a pretty solid mm. flow. So, uh, uh, In the Backseat would have been uh, okay. Month, Closing Month track? of May is more of a starter song. Hmm. Than a closing song when you when you listen to it, yes. we could do "Sprawl" to "Mountain Beyond Mountains." No, that's ah, that's not quite a good. They all of them because all of them feel like a beginning and not an end. You know, mm-hmm. play just a, do neon Bi- do neon Bible neon Bible it is. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of Record Round Table. We've been talking about Arcade Fire. Next week, we're going to be talking about the White Stripes. Give Arcade Fire one of them Grammys. Give them a Grammy. Regardless of what people say. I don't know who, but somebody. I think they deserve it. Leo those fuckers. Goodbye.